Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom for our final episode of January. And for today's episode, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and take a look at the entire Ohio State football depth chart and, and what we think it could be for the 2022 season. Because we've talked a lot about coaching changes, roster movement, all of that. You know, I presume, you know, at some point here, you know, in the next week or so, we're going to uh, get the opportunity to, you know, maybe meet those coaches, talk to those coaches. National Signing Day is going to be coming up next week. But for this week, not as much of a news front. So, you know, figured it would be a good time for us to project ahead and look at how the depth chart could stack up this year, because uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting position battles to shake out this offseason, especially because of the fact that you've got four new position coaches, including three on the defensive side of the ball, which means there's going to be a lot of spots that are open for competition. And a lot of guys are going to have to prove themselves all over again if they want to stay at the top of the depth chart. Yeah, Dan, we were just talking last week about how you know it doesn't really matter some of the guys on defense who the coaches, the coaching staff last year might have liked because listen, they're going to have to prove themselves all over again this year. And we might, you know, see some interesting things shake out in terms of the depth chart, especially on defense. And there's some, you know, very important guys from last year's offense that are also leaving this year as well. And so, you know, we can see some interesting developments on that side too. So that's why if we're being honest, when we get to the defensive side of this depth chart, a lot of it's a crapshoot in terms of projecting it right now, because we don't even know exactly what the scheme's going to look like yet. We can guess based off of what Jim Knowles did at Oklahoma state. And we'll get into that, but we don't know exactly what things are going to look like yet. You know, some things could be very different than it has been for the past couple of years. So there's going to be a lot of conjecture there and a lot of things that we'll say now that will probably change once we actually see the team on the field in the spring, but offensively, I don't think you expect major changes because you know, they do, they do have Justin Fry coming in, and so that's going to change some things in terms of the offensive line, and, you know, that could certainly shake some things up there. But, you know, Ryan Day is still at Ohio State. Kevin Wilson still at Ohio State. Tony Alford and Brian Hartline are still at Ohio State. So, you know, I think we could start with three certainties. C.J. Stroud will be the starting quarterback. Travion Henderson will be the starting running back. And Jackson Smith and Jigba will be a starting wide receiver. No, no question about any of that. I think at quarterback, to me, I, I feel like the depth chart might already be set. I think barring any additional roster movement, you've got C.J. Stroud as a starting quarterback. You've got Kyle McCord returning as the number two quarterback. And then you've got Devin Brown coming in as a true freshman who's likely going to start out as the number three quarterback. Now, certainly it's possible that Brown could challenge McCord for that backup job. I mean, on three, just named Brown on Monday as the number one overall prospect in the 2022 class. So but Brown's absolutely somebody who has the potential of a challenge to be the next starter after CJ Stroud. But my feeling is that competition between McCord and Brown is the real competition between them is going to take place in 2023. I, I think for this year with Brown coming in, learning the ropes, I think most likely McCord is going to stay in that number two spot. And honestly, part of that's just roster management too, because if you move Devin Brown ahead of Kyle McCord on the depth chart this year, you'd have to think Kyle McCord would explore his options and potentially transfer elsewhere. And so, you know, I'd be surprised if anything changes on that quarterback depth chart 
barring, of course, the possibility of unexpected roster movement. And we did see just last year, though, a precedent was set that, you know, a guy like Kyle McCord can come in as a true freshman and overtake a guy like Jack Miller, who already had a year in the system. Now, I think the difference is Kyle McCord actually got to start a game this year. He got to, you know, throw a lot more passes, run a lot more offense. And I think just the natural talent level is going to be on a similar uh, plane of existence there between McCord and Brown, more so than it might have, than it might have been with McCord and Miller last year. I, I would agree with that. If we move on to running back, I think things are pretty clear cut there too, at least in terms of the top two on the depth chart. Travion Henderson returning as the starter, Mayan Williams returning as his top backup. I think the big question for me is, can somebody else also force their way into that rotation and get some snaps? And the guy that I look to is Evan Pryor. I think we saw some flashes from him last year, but he ultimately redshirted. I think he's a guy, especially, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield who could potentially give them a bit of a different dimension if they give him a chance to get some snaps there in that role. So, you know, I think between him and, and Marcus Crowley and, and Dallin Hayden, they're, they're, they're competing for number three snaps on the depth chart right now. But I am intrigued to see, you know, if there could be a role cut out for a guy like Evan Pryor knowing that Travion Henderson is going to get most of the snaps and that Mayan Williams is probably going to see a lot of playing time as well. Yeah. I mean, you might come into this season thinking like, I mean, wow, like Travion Henderson really locked down that spot last year. And, and could he have a season like uh, JK Dobbins third season in which he really was the bell cow back for Ohio state. But I would just caution it and say that, you know, while Henderson did, wasn't truly injured necessarily this year, he was banged up a lot this past year. There was, there were frequent trips to the, the training tent and whatnot during games. And for that reason, I th- and, and Mayan Williams had his own issues as well this season with missing a couple games and whatnot. But I think there'll be more snaps for those guys, Williams and Pryor potentially, than people might realize just because of the, the physical toll that the season will take. Yeah, and I feel like with the things we saw from Williams last year, I feel like he can be a really good complement to Henderson. I feel like they both bring some different things to the table. And so I personally think that, you know, giving Williams a higher share of a snaps than he had last year would be a good thing for the offense. Especially like you said, I think to keep Henderson fresh over the course of a season, you don't want to wear him out by giving him 20, 25 carries a game all year. And so to me, I think, you know, mixing things up a little bit more and, and giving Williams a healthier share of those carries probably is good for both backs in the long run. Dan, let's move over to wide receivers now. Brian Hartline's stacked position group, of course, and let's talk about that that X receiver position. We think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to start there. Obviously, he started in the Rose Bowl and caught three touchdowns. That was the the launching point that that a lot of fans and the coaching were really happy to see because now they've got you know proof that this guy is who we thought he was coming out of last spring. Now behind him there, Jaden Ballard, a forgotten man in that group, if you will, just because of the you know ridiculous talent of a lot of the other guys. Can he actually, you know, see more snaps this year, even though the lineup is still going to be, you know, super stacked and, and very competitive as well. And then Caleb Burden coming in as well, a super highly touted guy. Dan, what do you make of the, the kind of rota- rotation you see there at that X spot for the Ohio State wide receivers? Well, let, let's look at the receivers as a whole, because I know I sent you some notes about, you know, which guys I had at each position. But let's look at the group as a whole, because I think by and large, it's not going to be okay, these guys have to play in the slot. These guys have to play X. These guys have to play Z. I think by and large, it's going to be getting the best guys on the field as we've seen uh, in the past couple of years. And so I, I do think that Marvin Harrison's a guy that I anticipate being in that starting lineup after his free touchdown performance. 
in the Rose Bowl. I think he's probably, you know, the guy that I'm, other than Smith and Jigba, that I'm most sure on being a starter at wide receiver this year, which sets up a, a battle of, of two guys who were top 10 overall recruits in their class and a Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming for a starting spot. So, you know, that could be really interesting. I know a lot of people are going to side toward Fleming here. And I know that if Fleming's not in the starting lineup, there's going to be a lot of why isn't Julian Fleming in the starting lineup? Because after all, he is the highest rated wide receiver that Ohio State has ever signed. But in my honest opinion, I've been more impressed by what we've seen from Emeka Buka than I have been from Julian Fleming. Just based on what we've seen from them on the field as Ohio State players, I've been more impressed by what I've seen from Emeka Buka. So my projection is I think both those guys are going to play. I think it's likely to be a rotation, whether it's between those two guys or between those two guys and Harrison. I, I think there's going to be a rotation that gets all three of those guys on the field for regular playing time. But if I'm projecting it right now, I think the starters are going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, you know, I guess I think the other question is, could Ohio State move Jackson Smith and Jigba outside like we saw them do with Garrett Wilson a year ago? But in my opinion, considering that Jackson Smith and Jigba just had the best season statistically that we've ever seen from an Ohio State wide receiver – I don't know why you'd mess with what's already working. And so I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba stays in the slot. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. starts at that X spot. And I think uh, Abuka and Fleming will both get a lot of snaps at the Z spot. You wonder, though, in making that potential move that, that you alluded to with uh, JSN potentially playing on the outside, if they if Ohio State thinks that he just has a more well-rounded game as a wide receiver in general and that you know maybe for his sake going to the draft next year, that, you know, showing versatility as, you know, an outside guy. And that would be a way to get Emeka Ibuka potentially in the starting lineup too, if they think that, you know, he's so talented that they can't keep him off the field. And if, you know, if they uh, want to keep uh, Fleming on the outside as well there. So yeah, those are definitely interesting uh, questions. Julian Fleming, of course, he still got the start, you know, in the Rose Bowl. And you also wonder, he's a guy that's been banged up with injuries as well. He had the shoulder uh, injury. He had a, a hamstring injury, I believe it was this year that cost some um, games as well. Over a longer sample size, will we finally see him flash more than we have so far? Because even though we have seen him in certain spots and he's gotten a few starts here in the last couple of years, we still haven't seen him over a really extended period of time. So I wonder if, if Brian Hartline, given what he's seen from him, has he seen a body of work that that lets him know that, okay, if we give this, if we keep giving this guy a chance, he's going to eventually, he's going to show, you know, all that talent that we've been hearing about for all these years. I lean toward thinking that those four wide receivers are going to play the majority of the snaps this season. I think, you know, Jaden Ballard is a guy certainly is a redshirt freshman who could challenge for more playing time this year. And then I think all four of a true freshman coming in are talented enough to potentially compete for immediate snaps too. those being Caleb Burton, Keon Grays, Caleb Brown and, and Kojo Antwi. My, I think it's going to probably be a lot like it was this past year for Harrison, Abuka, and Ballard, where those true freshmen are probably going to have to wait their turn for a year before any of them play major roles. But if I was betting on which freshman is going to play the most this year, I know Caleb Burton gets the most hype because he's the highest ranked guy, but I'd go with Keon Grace because 
he's a guy he's been compared a lot to Chris Olave. He's a guy who already seems to be a really good route runner. He's on campus as an early enrollee, going to get a whole offseason to work with Brian Hartline. He's the guy in that group that I'm keeping my eye on as a potential freshman impact player. I Again, I think most of the snaps are probably going to go to Smith and Jigba Harrison, Ibuka and Fleming. But Graze is the freshman that I'm keeping an eye on. How about you, Griffin? Yeah. Oh, same here. But Dan, I do have actually a note to ask you about, because like you said, you did send me your death chart projections and whatnot. And I was going to ask Gray's, you know, he's gotten all those Olave comparisons. Is he not more suited for one of those outside spots? Because I know you have him down here in the slot position. I know you said that, you know, he would play whatever position, obviously, as really any of those guys probably would. But um, why do you see him in that slot position more so than on the outside of this particular season? because that's where he fits on the two deep. I think Ballard's an outside guy. I think Fleming's an outside guy. And so I, I think if, you know, factor in, I, I know Abuka played him a slot last year. I don't see Abuka being the backup slot receiver to Smith and Jigba because I, I think Smith and Jigba is going to be a guy who in big games is not going to come off the field unless he has to. And so I, I think one way or another between Smith and Jigba or Abuka, you're going to move one of those guys outside because you're going to want to get them both on the field, just like we saw in the Rose Bowl, where Abuka, you know, played outside a lot in back game. And so I think Grays is another guy who has that kind of flexibility where he could play either outside or inside. I think as a freshman, there could be a more immediate path to playing time as a backup slot receiver than there will be outside. And then Caleb Brown as well. He's an interesting guy because he played a lot of running back in high school. And so you, you wonder, he's, he's another guy. He's a little bit smaller. And then you start thinking, okay, running back, wide receiver, you know, the H back role at Ohio state that hasn't really, you know, flourished with, with a lot of guys that kind of fit that mold in recent years, but he's a guy that they could do interesting things with. And maybe he could be, you know, a, a slot receiver of the future as well. But you do wonder if they will look to use his versatility as an offensive playmaker more than, Maybe some guys we've seen in the past, you think about a Demario McCall of sorts and what happened with him and a Jalen Gill, guys like that. But this is a guy that certainly seems to have a lot of talent. Yeah, I'll believe the H-back thing when I see it, because Mookie Cooper was supposed to be that. Jalen Gill was supposed to be that. Demario McCall was supposed to be that. It didn't work out for any of them. So that's not to say I don't think Caleb Brown will be a good player, but I'll believe this guy is going to play a variety of roles when I see it, because we just haven't seen that since Urban Meyer left. And so, you know, right now I've got him as a backup slot receiver. I think, you know, he's, I think he's probably a guy who plays a little bit this year, you know, maybe red shirts, maybe doesn't, and then has a chance to earn a bigger role next year when Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be in the NFL. Let's talk about a very interesting position here, Dan, tight end, because Jeremy Ruckert leaving and now potentially Cade Stover, as we saw in the Rose Bowl, a guy that is probably going to be playing on defense next season. Leaves Ohio State in a very interesting spot with this group of tight ends. You obviously found out the other day that, that Mitch Rossi is coming back. He's a guy that played in that hybrid fullback tight end spot, but not necessarily all the time as you know a straight-up traditional tight end in that system. You've got a guy like Joe Royer, who certainly looks the part physically, but you know he hasn't got a lot of time or uh, significant snaps in, you know, real moments for Ohio state. And then a guy like G Scott, who a lot of fans, I think are wondering, you know, when can we see G Scott on the field? Because he certainly looks like a, a physical freak, but also he's caught between positions a little bit because of, of, we've heard Kevin Wilson say 
he's not necessarily a true tight end yet. And he thinks it might take him, you know, another year if he really wants to put on the the weight and strength necessary to play that position. So you wonder how are the snaps going to get divvied up there, assuming Cade Stover does leave and play linebacker next season. Next season. Yeah, to me, tight end is the, the biggest question mark on this offense right now because, like you said, they, they lost Jeremy Rucker. Most likely, Cade Stover is going to play on defense. And we know that Ohio State did make a run at a transfer tight end. They brought in Austin Stogner, who is from Oklahoma. They brought him in for an official visit. He ultimately decided to go to South Carolina with, with Spencer Rattler. And you know, I haven't heard anything about them pursuing any other tight ends. Most likely at this point, if that was going to happen, it would happen after the spring, given that the semester has already started at Ohio State. And I know Kevin Wilson indicated before the Rose Bowl that he wasn't crazy about the idea of bringing in a tight end in the summer with how quickly they would have to learn things. So they might be with this group that they have right now. And it's an inexperienced group. I mean, Mitch Rossi, a former walk-on, is the most experienced tight end in this group. So is he the starter? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the question is, can Mitch, is Mitch Rossi a, a role player or can he be a guy who can really be that full-time tight end who's playing 40, 45 snaps a game or whatnot? Uh, and I think, you know, that's a question they're going to have to ask themselves. I think he's the surest thing in terms of being a good blocker, in terms of being a role player. But I think the question is, do you have a complete guy in this group? who, you know, can really do all the things you're looking for in a tight end. I think, you know, Joe Royer is probably the guy that you look at as he's probably the top challenger to Rossi to be that starting tight end, because I think he's more of a prototypical tight end. I think G Scott is the highest upside of the group. The question, is he going to be ready this year to be a full-time inline blocker? Because, you know, let's be real as a tight end at Ohio state, you block a lot more than you catch. And so the, the tight end in this offense, you know, blocking is at a premium. And so, you know, for G Scott, I, I think he will have a role in some capacity, but is he a guy that they're going to trust to play in line a lot at tight end and do a lot of inline blocking, you know, that remains to be seen. And so yeah, I, I think this depth chart is pretty wide open right now. I, I think even a guy like Bennett Christian coming in as a true freshman who, I think is a really good blocker. I think, you know, could potentially be one of the best blockers they have at that position right away. I think even he's a guy who could move up the depth chart quickly if he has a good spring and summer because of the fact that they just don't have any proven commodities there. And certainly, you know, I think there's an argument that could be made that maybe you should keep Cade Stover there just because you don't have any other proven guys, but the way Kevin Wilson talked about Cade Stover and wanting Cade Stover to do what's best for him, you definitely get the vibe that Cade wants to play defense. And so I think they're going to keep Cade on defense and then just have to work around it at tight end. And the good news for Ross is they don't need their tight end to be a guy who's catching a lot of passes a year because that's not the type of offense they run anyway. But they do need a guy they can rely on in the blocking game. And I think that's the big question at that position right now. Yeah, let's move over to the offensive line now and look at these tackle positions for Ohio State, where they did just get a big break in Dewan Jones deciding to return. Obviously, he started almost every game at right tackle last year for Ohio State. Paris Johnson, obviously, will now, you know, we assume he will move to 
the left tackle position. Dan, do you think there's any chance that they could move Dewan Jones to left tackle just because of, I don't know, he has, he's got more experience than Paris Johnson at this level? I mean, it's possible. I mean, anything's possible because Ohio State is a new offensive line coach. And so obviously Justin Fry is going to have a lot of say in how things look up there. So just because something happened last year doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Justin Fry is going to keep things uh, the way they were under Greg Stadrala. So anything's possible, but my feeling is, you know, the wand is perfectly suited for the right tackle position with, you know, his, you know, his kind of game, him being more of a bigger guy, a big, powerful run blocker. And, and I think Paris, you know, he's played, he played left tackle in high school. I think that's his more natural position. And so it's possible they could move Dewan to left and Paris at right. I don't know how much it really matters, to be honest. I mean, I think both tackle positions are pretty similar. My feeling would be keep Dewan at right, the position he's, he's used to playing and move Paris to the left side. And we know Paris Johnson's itching to get back to tackle. We had a whole uh, interview session with him at one point when he was just talking about how the only time he's been able to actually do reps at tackle is just like himself in his own hallway, just trying to keep some of those fundamentals and, and technical things fresh because he, he knew he was probably going to be making this move this year. He also said that, you know, if it was up to him, he would have liked to be a returning tackle this year. So, you know, maybe he didn't absolutely love his time at guard, but he did say that, you know, playing guard this past year helped to round out his skills. But the question becomes, I think, after Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson at those tackle positions, if one of those guys goes down, who steps up there? And that's what we were talking about. Dewan Jones' decision to come back being so important because who is the obvious guy there? Is it Josh Fryer, a guy that seems to have, you know, come on pretty strong ahead of this past year? But obviously we still didn't get to see a whole lot of him. Is it a guy like Enoch Vimahi, who, you know, he's played a lot of guard too, and he's only 6'4. So, I mean, that's a little bit small for, you know, one of those tackle positions at a place like Ohio State. And then beyond that, probably a couple of young Dan, what do you think of there in terms of after those top two tackles, who would be the next guy up? Yeah, I don't think there's an obvious answer. I, I really don't. And I, I think that's the concern right now is uh, tackle depth. I think that's something they're really going to have to build up this offseason. If you look at last year, Enoch Vamahi was the backup left tackle. Josh Fryer was the backup right tackle. Now, I say backup in the sense that they played on the two deep. I think the real backup left tackle last year was Fayer Munford and a real backup right tackle last year was Paris Johnson. And so I, I don't think that, you know, those guys were next in line to play at either spot, but I think in terms of, you know, them being with the, when the second team offensive line coming into the game, those are the guys who are getting those reps. And so right now I would slot them in as the backup tackles, but I also think, you know, again, that's going to be open for competition for, you know, guys like Zen Mahalski and Ben Chrisman, who are going into, you know, redshirt freshman years. You know, Crispin, they had him at guard some last year, but he could play either guard or tackle. So, you know, he could fit in at either spot. You know, Grant Tutant's another guy who's been there for a couple of years. I'm sure they'll be uh, looking for a jump out of him this year. He hasn't played any snaps yet. And so, you know, I don't think he's really a guy who would be a top candidate for a backup job right now, but I think that, you know, he's going to be in that mix as well. And so I, I think they're really a spring and summer. It's going to be really important for a couple backup tackles to really make strides and emerge if they're going to feel good about their depth there. Now you look at the guard spots and that was a big storyline this past year was that you had two guys that were potentially better natural tackles playing guard and Thayer Munford and Paris Johnson, of course, Thayer Munford going to the draft, Paris Johnson now moving out to tackle. So now you've got Matt Jones. He finally gets his opportunity to be a full-time starter for Ohio State. There was a lot of conversation last year about 
you know, do we should Ohio State get Matt Jones into the lineup more? He was that sixth man for Ohio State that did play a lot. Now this year, he'll he'll stick around and finally get his shot to be a full time starter. Right guard, we, we would assume that a guy like Donovan Jackson would probably step into a starting role. Ohio State, you know, did some things to get him on the field in his very first season, and so he's a guy that who, whose upside definitely looks very high for Ohio State. I believe Dewan Jones described him as one of the most versatile guys on the offensive line as well. So. You know, who knows what that could entail also. And then behind those guys at guard, some younger guys, you know, maybe some guys that have been around in the program for a couple of years in and in Jacob James or a Trey LaRue, some guys that, you know, maybe not your favorite option outside of those, outside of Jones and Jackson. But I think this, the two starting guys right there are, are some pretty solid players that you, you feel pretty good about if you're Ohio State. Yeah, my, my expectation would be the interior, starting interior offensive line will be Matt Jones at left guard, Luke Whipler at center, and Donovan Jackson at right guard. Now, uh, the wild card in the equation is Harry Miller because Harry Miller was the starting left guard in 2020. He was supposed to be the starting center last year and then ended up only, you know, playing in two games for, you know, health reasons, which we never really got a clear answer on what was going on there, but you know, he was, you know, away from the team for most of the season, only played in a couple games. And so that's why I don't have him penciled in as a starter right now, because I just don't, I don't know exactly, you know, where he's going to be at in terms of his health going into the spring and, you know, what, you know, role he might be in line for, but, you know, he's another guy. I mean, certainly I think he's a guy you'd like to have healthy and available for next season, because as we talked about, I, I, I think offensive line depth is going to be a question mark this year. I think the starting line, you know, which again, you know, Justin Fry could have different ideas, but my feeling is it's going to be Paris Johnson at left tackle, Matt Jones at left guard, Luke Whipler at center, Donovan Jackson at right guard, and Dewan Jones at right tackle. I think that's a strong line. I mean, I think, you know, all those guys have significant playing experience except for Jackson, and Jackson's a five-star guy who I think has star potential at guard. And so I, I think that could be a really strong starting unit, but I don't think the depth is where it was last year. You know, whereas la- last year, you know, it maybe didn't always work out as well as hoped on the field, at least in a run blocking game with those tackles moving inside to guard. But the good news was they had a lot of depth there. They had more guys they felt were starters than they had spots for. So they, they had a lot of different options to do things. I think this year they could be in a little bit more precarious of a spot if they have somebody go down. And so again, you know, just like you talked about with tackle, it's going to be an important offseason for, you know, again, guys like Jacob James, Trey LaRue, or, you know, younger guys like Ben Crispin, Carson Hinsman, you know, Tegra Shabola coming in the summer. I mean, they, it's going to be really important for Justin Fry to, to build up the depth on that offensive line this offseason because, you know, I, I think right now, like I look at it like, you know, I think, you know, Harry Miller certainly, if, you know, he's healthy. He could be the next man up inside. I also think Josh Fryer is probably a guy who's going to be, you know, that sixth or seventh man on the line where I think he could play either tackle or guard and he's going to have some flexibility to move around. But I, I don't think you're going to feel quite as good about the depth up front. You have a lot of bodies. I mean, they have like 17 scholarship offensive linemen, I think, you know, that could obviously change between now and the start of the season. But, you know, they have a lot of numbers that just don't have a lot of guys who have played much. And so I think, 
you know, spring and summer is going to be a really important development time for that group. Yeah. And if you remember when Harry Miller did play, it, it might've even been in just like that one game or whatever, but before that Ryan day was like, Oh, we're not even having him, you know, play center. We've transitioned him out to guard again, which is obviously what he played. He was the starting, um, you know, guard for high state in 2020 for most of the season. And so you just have to wonder. And then of course, Luke Whipler played the most snaps of anyone on the entire team this past year. So he's got, you know, a lot of experience now at that position. Do you supplant a guy like that for Harry Miller, who maybe has higher upside playing center? We don't know. So that's going to, definitely going to be an interesting situation uh, to unfold. But of course, Harry Miller was that was tapped as the starting center for Ohio State just you know a few weeks before the season started, before all the injury stuff unfolded for them. All right, let's get over to the defense. Where again, I, this is where I think things are really going to get interesting and quite frankly are difficult to project. And it starts right at the defensive end position because you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Leo position that Jim Knowles used at Oklahoma State and you know whether that's something that he will bring to Ohio State. And I think there's a good chance he will, but that also makes it really difficult to project what the defensive end depth chart is going to look like because you know, you already, you know, you have a lot of guys of experience coming back at defensive end. You've got Zach Harrison, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyler Friday, JT Tui-Molowal, Jack Sawyer. Those are all guys who have played significant snaps at defensive end at, at Ohio State. And then, you know, potentially, if you bring that Leo position into the mix, potentially a guy like a Cade Stover potentially gets in that mix competing for playing time with those defensive ends as well. So I don't exactly know how that's going to work at, at this point. You know, my, my feeling would be that if they treat them as two separate defensive end positions, you know, I think Sawyer and Gene Baptiste are guys who are probably better fits for that Leo position, which is more of a hybrid linebacker position. You know, those are lighter, you know, more explosive athletes who I think, you know, would be better suited for that role. Whereas, you know, Tui Molowau and Friday, they would be more suited for the strong side defensive end role, which, you know, is guys who can line up both outside and inside bigger bodied guys at defensive end. I think Harrison is probably the guy who would have the flexibility to play both roles with his combination of size and athleticism. He's a guy who could potentially be that Leo or he could potentially be that strong side defensive end. So the only thing I really feel confident in is that Zach Harrison's going to be a starter because he was a starter all of his past season. He's a team captain. I know there's people out there who maybe, you know, want to see Sawyer and Tui Molowau start because they're, you know, the five-star guys that we haven't seen as much of, but I'm very confident that Harrison is going to be a starter uh, on one side of a line or other. I think the question is how will the rotation shake out around him? You know, my feeling is if I just look at it, just defensive ends rather than separate positions, I look at Tui Molo as the guy who I think is most likely to start opposite Harrison because we saw him play Morvin Sawyer last year. He played well in the snaps that he got. And so he seems to be the guy that's on the fast track to a starting spot. You know, I think you could potentially see situations where, you know, Harrison is at Leo and you've got Tui Molowau or Tyler Friday opposite him at the strong side position. And you could have situations where Harrison's on the strong side and Jack Sawyer, Javante Jean-Baptiste is opposite him 
at the Leo position. So we know Larry Johnson likes to maintain a deep rotation. I don't expect that to change. I think all five of those guys that I just named are going to have some role in that defensive end rotation, but it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, especially once we get to the spring, you know, if those two defensive end positions look distinctly different and if so, who lines up where and how that could impact playing time for each guy. Yeah. And I think Tyler Friday is a really interesting name just because, you know, he missed time in 2020 also, even before missing this whole past season with injury. And he's a veteran guy who, you know, could he come back and actually take time away from some of those young guys, Sawyer and Tui Moloau, which I think, you know, fans might be groaning at the prospects of that. But of course, you know, Larry Johnson loves to play a really deep rotation as we always talk about. And so guys like Friar or Friday, I should say, and Gene Baptiste, can they step up and, and, you know, have potentially a final season with Ohio State and, and really show some things and steal some snaps away from those guys? Or are we going to see Sawyer and JT really ascend to the, you know, caliber that I think a lot of people think they're capable of and shut shut those guys out of a lot of snaps? My feeling is Tui Molowau and Sawyer are going to play the second and third most snaps behind Zach Harrison, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out there. And Dan, in the interior, of course, Ohio State loses Haskell Garrett at that uh, three-tech position, but you've still got, and, and loses, of course, Antoine Jackson as well, but you've still got a lot of guys in there and a lot of uh, veteran guys and guys that now have, have been starting to actually log some legitimate snaps and playing time because Larry Johnson, of course, rotates those guys so often. Teron Vincent is one guy you look at at that three-tech spot who he was slated to have a breakout year this past season for Ohio State, but I don't think we really saw him make as many big plays or really be as noticeable on the field as a lot of people were probably expecting. And a lot of fans, I think, are going to be clamoring to see Tyleek Williams just because in some sh- small spots, you know, not a lot of time, he made some big plays happen. And I think that's going to be an interesting conversation at that three-tech spot. Yeah, I think we will see. Tyleek Williams play a lot more this year, but I still think Teron Vincent is probably going to start above him, you know, just based on the fact that, you know, Teron, you know, played a lot more snaps. I mean, even in the Rose Bowl when Haskell Garrett was out, Teron Vincent played a lot more snaps than Tyleek Williams. So again, you know, this is the one position group where you have a returning position coach. So you don't expect as many drastic changes here because Larry Johnson is still around. Obviously, Jim Knowles is going to have a say in everything that happens on the defense. And so that could lead to some changes. But I tend to believe, you know, you look at that defensive tackle depth chart. If we assume that Jerron Cage comes back for his extra year of eligibility, which seems to be where things are heading, but still no public announcement, still having it that February 4 deadline. But if you assume that he comes back, I think most likely Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage are going to be the starting defensive tackles. I think Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton are both guys who are going to be in line for bigger roles and will factor heavily into that rotation. I mean, we've seen it with Larry Johnson. He typically rotates at least two guys at those defensive tackle spots. And a lot of times the starters even alternate from game to game. And so I think those four guys in particular are are all going to play a lot. and They're all going to lead the rotation. And then Mike Hall as well. I'm not sure whether he'll factor in at free tech or knows. I think he could play either one, but I think Mike Hall as well is another guy who I would expect to see in that rotation playing some significant snaps 
this year. He redshirted last year, but there's been a lot of positive talk about him and the way he's developed. So again, like a defensive end, I feel like there's really five guys there that I expect to be in that rotation in, in some order, in some mixture of those guys. And those are Vincent Cage, Williams, Hamilton, and Hall. And of course, stopping the run is going to be a big point of emphasis for Ohio State, of course, coming off of that Michigan game in particular and and the Oregon loss as well. Two games that they could not stop the run. And, you know, you lose your best defensive tackle and Haskell Garrett, and you've got a lot of the same guys from last year. So that is going to be a position of interest for Ohio State. Now, linebacker, in my opinion, is the toughest position to project of this entire depth chart, because for one, it was probably the weakest position on Ohio State's roster of his past season. Secondly, you're bringing in a new defensive coordinator who's also going to be the linebackers coach in Jim Knowles. And so presumably everything should be up for grabs at linebacker. You know, nobody should be guaranteed a job there just because they played the most last year. With that being said, I would personally be surprised if Steel Chambers is not a starter based on the fact that he was Ohio State's best linebacker of his past season. After making that move from running back to linebacker, you'd think with a full off season of development at linebacker, he should only get better. And so I've got him penciled in as that starting will linebacker. This one, I think some people will disagree with, but I've got Tommy Eichenberg penciled in as the starting Mike linebacker, seeing the way he played in the Rose bowl, finishing the season on a high note with a 17 tackle performance. I think he's a better player than the fans give him credit for. I think he's going to have to compete for that job. But right now, he would be the guy I'd pencil in as the starting Mike linebacker. I also think Cody Simon is going to be a significant factor at that position as well. And I think he had an up and down year last year. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was battling a shoulder injury all year long. And so I think his best football is in front of him. And so even though I think things are going to be pretty wide open at that position going into the spring. I do lean toward those three guys playing the most snaps at linebacker again. That said, I also think CJ Hicks is too talented not to have an immediate role. And if CJ Hicks is starting by mid season, I would not be shocked. My right now I'm going to project that CJ Hicks will back up steel chambers. at will linebacker. And you know, that's where he'll start the season and get some snaps in the rotation. But if CJ Hicks ascends to a starting role as a freshman, that would not surprise me at all because I think he has a ton of talent and certainly the linebacker play needs to be better. And so when I talk about those returning guys, potentially still being at the top of a depth chart, they have to elevate their game. They have to prove themselves all over again to Jim Knowles. And if not, then certainly there could be a bigger shakeup. I'm going to mention a couple names here that are pretty interesting at the linebacker position because there are a lot of names and interesting storylines here. Taraja Mitchell, of course, played a lot of football for Ohio State this past year, was a starter for really most of the season, but at the end of the year, really saw his snaps slashed. We He seemed to be banged up, have some injury issues, but also, you know, was it just that Ohio State and, and Al Washington at the time didn't really like what they were seeing out of Taraja Mitchell, who was also a captain for Ohio State, Where does he fall into the depth chart next season with guys like Steel Chambers emerging in that mix with guys like Tommy Eichenberg having a really good game to cap off the season? Obviously, Cody Simon will be injured going into the offseason. Another guy, Pallier Nayoteyote, is a guy that, I mean, there was a whole lot of talk about that guy coming into this past season and, and not just because of 
all the controversy surrounding his eligibility was because he was a former five-star talent UFC transfer. And he barely saw any time at all. He was banged up as well last year, but you really have to wonder where those two guys are going to slot in. Because as you just mentioned with your kind of initial depth chart predictions there, they don't really fall in at the top of those uh, depth chart projections. Yeah. Those are two tough guys to project because, you know, I, with Mitchell, I feel like, you know, his chance to play that major role might've come and gone with last year with, you know, him starting the year, like you said, as a captain, as the starting will linebacker. And we really saw his role really fade over the course of a year. I, you know, there might've been an injury involved there, but you know, he was available. He just wasn't playing. And so Again, new coaching staff coming. He has another chance here, you know, as a guy who's expected to come back for an additional year. He's going to have another chance to impress this new coaching staff and, and potentially work his way back up the depth chart. But right now, I, I don't have him in the two deep. Nayoteote is an interesting guy because I think the question you have to ask is okay, you know, this past year, was he impacted by the fact that? You know, he wasn't eligible until after the season started that he joined in the summer with him getting a full off season where he knows he's eligible. Will that allow him to climb the depth chart the way people thought he would last year? Or, you know, is this a guy who's been snake bitten by injuries his whole college career and just isn't quite going to be able to get to that level? I think, you know, that's the question there. And I think the other question that I have is how much are we going to see three linebacker sets? in this Oklahoma, in this, you know, Jim Knowles defense that he's bringing from Oklahoma state. He didn't do a lot of traditional four free stuff there. It was more of the Leo stuff, but you know, I also think this pass here showed us that they need to have that free line, that four, four defensive lineman, free linebacker package available when they're playing teams like Wisconsin and, and Michigan, you need to have those bigger options available, much like the defense that was being used the past couple of years. Jim Knowles' base defense is a free safety defense. And so we'll be talking shortly about, you know, projecting starters at free safety spots. But I, I think you need to have that bigger look available. And so when I look at guys like Cade Stover and Pauliena Teote, I think that could potentially be where they come in is potentially playing that Sam linebacker role in free linebacker packages. Now, could there be an expanded role beyond that? If that's only something they use very occasionally, I think it's certainly possible. And I think Stover's a guy, again, I think he's a guy who could potentially factor into that Leo conversation. He's got the size to be a defensive end. And so I think he's a guy that, especially in situations where they may want more of a hybrid guy there, I think he's a guy who could definitely factor into that conversation. Nayo Teote, I think he's more of a linebacker. I don't know if he's got quite that size to play up on the line, but they did mainly use him last year as a Sam linebacker in those short yardage goal line situations. And so I think that's probably where he's most likely to play. But, you know, as you mentioned, an, an interesting guy because he did come in with a lot of hype last year as a transfer. And so far we haven't seen it. I'll throw one more linebacker name at you here, Dan Diamante Trianum. He's the guy that you actually got to talk to about his transition, Arizona transfer, Akron native, what position is he going to play uh, on linebacker wise? Because of course he was a running back for Arizona state, but is, is making that steel chambers transition now from running back to linebacker, which Ohio state seems. to. Yeah. I'll be honest. I have 
basically no idea what linebacker position he's going to play just because he hasn't played linebacker at the collegiate level yet. So I think probably one of those two inside linebackers, you know, he, he doesn't have the size to be that, you know, Leo type, you know, he's only five eleven. So I think he's probably, you know, either a will linebacker or a Mike linebacker, you know, it could depend on, you know, where, you know, how the rest of the depth chart shakes out around him, but he's an interesting guy. I mean, you can't, rule anything out after seeing steel chambers make such a rise up the depth chart. I mean, I know I saw, you know, one of her writer on this beat at a depth chart projection where he projected Diamante train as a starter. I'm not going to go there. My feeling is train This is going to be mostly a developmental year for Diamante train And then he'll have a chance to play a bigger role in 2023 and 2024, but you never know if he comes in and he, he really lights it up in his first off season at linebacker, you know, there's a chance he contends for, a bigger role, but right now I see him as probably like a third team guy to start his career. Let's move into the secondary now and look at some cornerbacks where I think you've got to like your starter, your projected starters, at least if you're Ohio state here with Denzel Burke coming back in just his second year, you saw it as just a true freshman. You think he still has room to grow and, and have an even better season next year after really bursting onto the scene in a way that not a lot of people were expecting at this time last year. And then you've got Cam Brown on the other side coming back for another year with the Buckeyes. He was very good. And, and, and he was a guy that, you know, he had to play cornerback wearing a big knee brace for, you know, part of the season, which can't be something that, you know, you want to do as a speed player on the outside. But Cam Brown and Denzel Burke had a very good season in, in pass coverage this past year. I think for the most part, even though Ohio State had a lot of lapses, you know, against the pass as well. But I think those guys really stood out as pretty solid players at corner. And then behind them, you've got a couple of really exciting options, I think, and some second-year guys in Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock that we've already heard all about from their teammates. You know, when you ask about these guys, their teammates, you know, they get a smile on their face. They, they call these guys dogs. They were, you know, highly rated guys coming out of high school. And I think we could see at least one of those guys really factor in, in the rotation there as well next season. Yeah, I mean, again, it's always hard to project how things are going to look when you've got a brand-new uh, coach coming in to lead the position group. But with that being said, I think it would be a big surprise if the starting corners are not Denzel Burke and Cam Brown, because you think certainly Denzel Burke has uh, solidified himself as a starter. And I think Cam Brown, when he's been healthy, has played well as a starter. And so, you know, I, I fully expect those to be, you know, the top two guys. I think, you know, the, the point of concern you'd potentially have is that those are the only two guys who really have you know, much playing experience. If we assume seven banks isn't coming back, which is still my assumption at this point, you know, he's keeps teasing, like he's going to make an announcement and then he doesn't. And so I don't really know exactly what's going on there, but if we assume that he's not going to be back next year, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, then they do need a young guy or two to step up. And, you know, whether that means regular playing time of a rotation, or at least being ready to play. If one of those starters goes down and I, I do think the next man up are probably going to be, Hancock and Johnson in some order. I'd probably lean toward Jordan Hancock being the number three guy right now, just based on the facts that Ohio State did burn his red shirt last year. He played on special teams. Probably wouldn't have done that if they didn't think that he was a guy who could contribute as a sophomore. So I'd probably lean toward him. I know Johnson uh, was injured for a lot of his freshman year, but I think both of those guys uh, definitely have a lot of potential to potentially either one of them you know, playing a bigger role this year. And so I agree with you on that, but I think those are most likely 
the top backups at corner. You know, Legend Cavazos could potentially factor in there. You can't rule out a, a Jair Brown having a Denzel Burke-like rise up the depth chart either. Again, everything's going to be wide open because there's a new cornerbacks coach in Tim Walton. But I, I certainly think the starting jobs are, are Denzel Burke and, and Cam Browns to lose. And I think that if Hancock and Johnson can continue on the trajectory that it seems like they're on, both those guys are going to have a real chance to compete for playing time this year too. All right, let's move over to safety now where we just alluded to potentially three spots here, four guys to play cover safety in particular. Jim Knowles is bringing one of his guys in to Ohio state from Oklahoma state. And that's Tanner McAllister. Who's really a pretty significant um, addition here for Ohio state because Marcus Williamson, who ended up being a, a guy that started a lot of cover safety for the Buckeyes. He is obviously out of the program now. Lathan Ransom, who was potentially the next guy up at that position, you know, he, he also started at the position as well this past season for Ohio State at times. He obviously snapped, fractured his leg in the, the last game of the season, the Rose Bowl, which is, you know, not, not an ideal time to have that type of injury because it means you're going to be missing a lot of that offseason. So now you have a guy like Tanner McAllister that's coming in at that cover safety spot that's probably going to start right away, you would imagine. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he didn't start because – he was a starter for a top five Oklahoma State defense last year. He's the only guy who has real familiarity with Jim Knowles' defense. And so I think, you know, he's a guy with only one year left of eligibility. He was absolutely brought in to, to be a starter this year. You know, as you mentioned, you know, Leif and Ransom, you know, started a lot of last year at that position, but he, you know, is coming off a broken leg. And I also wonder, again, new coaching staff that might see things differently could we see Leif and Ransom move back to free safety? Because that's the position he was initially recruited to play. And I'm still not quite sold that cover safety is the best fit for him. Like, I think he's done okay at that spot, but I feel like Leif and Ransom's long-term future may be better suited as a free safety. And so I'm interested to see, you know, he's probably going to miss the entire spring. And I think that's going to hurt him either way in terms of, you know, being a starter next year in a new defense, but I'm going to be interested to see when he gets back on the field, do we maybe see him, you know, move back to free safety? Cause last year they moved Cam Martinez to free safety. I think Cam Martinez is better suited for that cover safety role. And, and I think he's, you know, probably going to be a backup to, to Tanner McAllister at that spot, but I'm going to be interested to see, do they move Leif and ransom, you know, back to that free safety spot, not as a starter this year, because I, I think Josh Proctor I would pencil him in as the starter at free safety as long as he's, you know, fully recovered from his injury last year. Obviously, Bryson Shaw is a guy who, you know, played there a lot last year too. And you know, I know a lot of our listeners have their opinions on Bryson Shaw, but you know, I think again, open competition. It's new coaches, Perry Lionel coming in from Cincinnati, new coaches. So these guys have to prove themselves all over again. So could you know. I certainly don't think Bryson Shaw is going to be guaranteed the starting job just because he, he was the starter for most of last year. I also don't rule out that he could have a great offseason. He could win a starting job. But I think most likely, as long as Josh Proctor's healthy, that's going to be his job to lose. I think most likely Bryson Shaw will be the top backup there. And then, you know, potentially does a Leif and Ransom enter the mix there? Or if not, 
you know, maybe it's a Jansen Dunn who is another guy. They've got a lot of safeties coming off leg injuries because you've got Proctor, Ransom, and Dunn who all suffered season-ending leg injuries last year. So that's going to probably hurt the numbers a little bit in spring. We'll see how much you know, Proctor and Dunn are able to do in the spring, but the numbers could potentially be down a little bit there in the spring if those guys aren't fully recovered, which could open the door again for some of these other guys, whether it's, you know, Bryson Shaw or Cam Martinez, or, you know, even, you know, incoming freshmen coming in, like, you know, a Kai Stokes, you know, there, there could be opportunities for those guys to potentially get some more reps in the spring just because they're not going to have their full numbers with a few guys coming off of injuries. Yeah. And the good thing for Proctor as well is that, you know, he suffered that injury so early in the season. It was just in week two. He'll have, you know, more time to recover than a guy like obviously Lathan Ransom, who just suffered that injury very late in the season. Of course, now we move over to the bullet position where we saw Ronnie Hickman really dominate the snaps this past season. But, you know, we also saw, and and this is the, this is what's subject to change, right? With the new Knowles system, in the Rose Bowl, we actually saw, I think, less of, of Ronnie Hickman than we had all season. They had, you know, a third linebacker on the field. They had Court Williams playing more of a that cover safety role. But, you know, this season, with I would be surprised if we didn't see, you know, a, a whole lot of Ronnie Hickman again, just because he, he proved to be one of the most consistent defenders for Ohio State. But Court Williams, I mean, they showed, Ohio State showed its confidence in him at the end of the season, putting him on the field a whole lot in the Rose Bowl. He's a bigger body at that bullet position, so it gives you – different possibilities, different uh, personnel packages, if you will, with the bullet. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize those two guys. Because I agree with you. I think, you know, Ronnie Hickman, I I, I can't see him not being a starter after he had 100 tackles last season. I think he was probably Ohio State's most consistent defensive player last year. And so I expect him to be a starter at whatever that position is called. You know, I don't know. I don't even know how much they call it the bullet anymore. Who knows if it'll still be called the bullet by uh, the new coaches. I call it more of a strong safety. I've heard it called boundary safety too. So who knows what they're going to call it. But I, I do think Ronnie Hickman is going to be uh, the starter in that role. But I also do think Court Williams is going to have a role in this defense. And I'm interested to see how do they interchange those guys. I mean, Court Williams is a guy, he's big enough that he could even play some linebacker. You know, maybe it becomes, you know, more of a matchup specific thing where, you know, again, against teams that use bigger personnel like a Wisconsin or a Michigan, maybe we see more of a, a court Williams, maybe against, you know, teams that are more spread the ball out. We see more of a Ronnie Hickman, who I think is a little bit better in coverage. And so I'm interested to see how they interchange those two guys. I've got, you know, Ronnie Hickman penciled in as a starter and court Williams penciled in at his backup right now, but I definitely would not be surprised if they potentially move one of those guys around to, to get them both on the field together. Cause I think those are two guys who both have a chance to play really big roles in this defense this year. And of course you can't rule out a Sonny styles either. Now I've got Sonny styles as the third team guy at that spot, because he isn't going to arrive till summer. He's only 17 years old. He should be a high school senior. And so I'm not going to project that Sonny styles will play a major role on the defense this year, but at the same time, He's a top 10 overall recruit in the class. He's a five-star recruit. And so you can't rule out the possibility that he could earn playing time as a freshman. But I think more likely, you know, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams are going to be the guy, you know, playing most of those strong safety snaps next year. And then, you know, Sonny Styles potentially developed behind them to, to play a bigger role at somewhere in that safety group in 2023. 
Dan, let's briefly touch on some special teams action here. Big for Ohio State to get Noah Ruggles back, right? I mean, he was a guy that was super dependable for them this year, and he's going he's gonna to have another year to, to show that all over again. Yeah, I wouldn't qualify that. as I'd just say it is big. I mean, the guy went 20 of 21 on field goals last year. Every time they needed him to make a clutch kick, he delivered. And so I think it's huge uh, to get him back. You know, they did have other options there. You know, Jake Seibert's also on scholarship. Jaden Fielding is a guy coming in as a walk-on that people are high on as well. But to have Noah Ruggles back and to have their whole battery of specialists back with Jesse Murko at punter and Bradley Robinson at long snapper, you know, all three of those guys have done a great job. So I think it's great to have stability there and that special teams battery of all three of those guys coming back. Let's talk about the, the returning spots as well. I think one, one interesting thing was that in the Roosevelt practices and whatnot, we saw Cam Martinez, you know, up, up pretty high on the depth chart in terms of punt returning. I almost wonder because, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a guy that can obviously make so many plays in the open field. Could he be the top punt returner for Ohio State? But I almost wonder with, with as much as they're going to plan on using him next season in the passing game, do you even risk putting him out there, you know, as a punt returner who could potentially get injured on one of those, you know, high impact plays? because you want to save him as such a focal point of the offense. And Cam Martinez, a guy that, you know, you've got him third on the cover safety depth chart right now um, on defense, but he's such a special athlete. You know, do you look to get him on the field more and, and potentially have him as the number one punt returner? Yeah, I think that's a valid question because we saw last year, Garrett Wilson started the season as the lead punt returner, but then he was replaced by Smith and Jigba about midway through the year. And so you know, I think right now it's Smith and Jigba's job, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they did decide to take him off punt returns, just because like you said, I think he's going to be playing all the time on offense. And I, I do think Cam Martinez could be the guy who could be the next man up there. And it could potentially be a chance if he's going to be a backup safety again next year, that could be a chance to potentially give Cam Martinez a bigger role. Cause remember he was a guy who was recruited with the potential to even play some wide receiver. Now he's fully on defense, but I think he's a guy who could do some damage in that punt return role and a guy who, you know, isn't going to be playing as much on offense or defense that it could potentially be a good fit for that role. I do anticipate we're going to see a Mecca Buka on kickoff returns again, because he's the best kickoff returner that Ohio state's had in a long time. And so I would think he would stay in that role and maybe just maybe 2022 will be the year that we see a kickoff return touchdown. He certainly looked poised to do so last year. He had that, that big game against Maryland in particular with the, the kickoff return yardage. And I don't think fans were, were all that high on seeing Julian Fleming uh, replace him for that, that one game stint there at, at kickoff returner. Yeah, I, that, that would be my question too. Is he going to be still the next man up or would somebody else take on that role? Because they see, you know, Ryan Day seemed to like the idea of Julian Fleming returning kicks, but we didn't really see much from him in the games, but he took over that role. So we'll see who might be the next man up. We'll probably get an idea of that, you know, in the spring as we see who else is practicing at that role. But certainly I think if a Mecca Buka is your number one kickoff returner, you're in great shape there. So I think we covered everything. Talked for an hour here and managed to get through projecting the entire depth chart. So good job. Good job. Go us, baby. (laughs) Go Gus, go us, go team. Next week is National Signing Day. And so we'll be back next week uh, to talk some more about the freshman class of 2022, some of which has already come in, some of which will be coming in. I know Griffin and Garrick talked about that a little bit in December, but we'll talk about it a little bit more next week as uh, they wrap up the class of 2022 
officially. So thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk to you again next week.